Chapter Nine of the House of Whispers by William Lacroix. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reveals a mysterious business. In the few days which followed, Lady Hayburn's attitude towards Gabrielle became one of marked affection. She even kissed her in the breakfast room each morning, called her dear, and consulted her upon the day's arrangements. Poor Sir Henry was but a cipher in the household. He usually took all his meals alone, except dinner, and was very seldom seen, save perhaps when he came out for an hour or so to walk in the park, led by his daughter, or else alone, tapping before him with his stout stick. On such occasions, he would wear a pair of big blue spectacles to hide the unsightliness of his gray, filmy eyes. Sometimes he would sit on one of the garden seats on the south side of the house, enjoying the sunshine, and listening to the songs of the birds, the hum of the insects, and the soft ripples of the burn far below. And on such occasions one of his wife's guests would join him to chat and cheer him, for everyone felt pity for the lonely man living his life of darkness. No one was more full of words of sympathy than James Flockhart. Gabrielle longed to warn her father of that man, but dared not do so. There was a reason, a strong reason, for her silence. Sir Henry had declared that he was interested in the man's intellectual conversation, and that he rather liked him, though he had never looked upon his face. In some things the old gentleman was ever ready to adopt his daughter's advice, and rely upon her judgment but in others he was quite obstinate and treated her pointed remarks with calm indifference one day at lady hayburn's suggestion gabrielle accompanied by flockhart and another of the guests a retired colonel had driven over in the big car to perth to make a call and on their return she spent some hours in the library with her father attending to his correspondence that morning a big packet of those typed reports in french had arrived in the usual registered orange-coloured envelope and after she had read them over to the baronet he had given her the key and she had got out the code-book then at his instructions she had written upon a yellow telegraph form a cipher message addressed to the mysterious metforeau paris it read when decoded arrange with amethyst I agree the price of pearls. Have no fear of Smithson, but watch Peters. If London refuses, then Mayfair. Expect report of Bedford. It was not signed by the baronet's name, but by the signature he always used on such telegraphic replies. Senrab. From such a dispatch, she could gather nothing. At his request, she took away the little blue-covered book and relocked it in the safe. Then she rang for Hill, and told him to send the dispatch by messenger down to Octeradar Village. Very well, miss, replied the man, bowing. The car is going down to take Mr. Seymour to the station in about a quarter of an hour. So Stokes will take it. And look here, exclaimed the blind man, who was standing before the window with his back to the crimson sunset. You can tell her ladyship, Hill, that I'm very busy, and I shan't come in to dinner tonight. Just serve a snack here for me, will you? Very well, Sir Henry, responded the smart footman, and bowing again, he closed the door. May I dine with you, Dad? asked the girl. There are two or three people invited tonight, and they don't interest me in the least. My dear child, what do you mean? 
Why aren't Walter Murray and his mother dining here tonight? I know your mother invited them ten days ago. Oh, why, yes, replied the girl rather lamely. I did not recollect. Then, I suppose, I must put in an appearance, she sighed. Suppose, he echoed, what would Walter think if you elected to dine with me instead of meeting him at table? Now, Dad, it is really unkind of you, she said reprovingly. Walter and I thoroughly understand each other. He's not surprised at anything I do. Ah, laughed the sightless man. He's already beginning to understand the feminine perverseness, eh? Well, my child, dine here with me if you wish. By all means. Tell Hill to lay the table for two. We have lots of work to do afterwards. So the bell was rung again, and Hill was informed that Miss Gabrielle would dine with her father in the library. Then they turned again to the baronet's mysterious private affairs. And when she had seated herself at the typewriter and reread the reports, confidential reports they were, but framed in a manner which only the old man himself could understand, he dictated to her cryptic replies, the true nature of which were to her a mystery. The last of the reports, brief and unsigned, read as follows Mon petit garçon est très gravement malade, et je supplie de et je de ne pas me punir si sévèrement, de ne pas me prendre mon enfant. Depuis le dernier bulletin du professeur Nieberger, il est la fèvre. Scarletine, et l'issue de la maladie est incertaine. Je ne quitte plus sans cheveux, et sans cesse je me dis, c'est une punition du ciel. Gabrielle saw that, to the outside world, it was a statement by a frantic mother that her child had caught scarlet fever. What could it really mean, she wondered. Slowly she read it, and as she did so noticed the curious effect it had upon her father. Seated as he was in the deep saddlebag chair, his face grew very grave. His thin white hands clenched themselves, and there was an unusually bitter expression about his mouth. Eh? he asked as though not quite certain of the words, read it again, child, slower. I, I have to think. She obeyed, wondering if the key to the cryptic message were contained in some conjunction of letters or words. It seemed as though, in imagination, he was setting it down before him as she pronounced the words. This was often so. At times he would have reports repeated to him, over and over again. Ah, he gasped at last, drawing a long breath his hands still tightly clenched, his countenance haggard and drawn. I, I expected that, and so it has come, at last. What, Dad? asked the girl in surprise, staring at the crisp typewritten sheet before her. Oh, well, nothing, child, nothing, he answered, bestirring himself. But the lady, whoever she is, seems terribly concerned about her little boy. The judgment of heaven, she calls it. And well, she may, Gabrielle he answered in a hoarse, strange voice. Well, she may, my dear. It is a punishment set upon the wicked. Is the mother wicked, then? asked the girl in curiosity. No, dear, he urged. Don't try to understand, for you can never do that. These reports convey to me alone the truth. They are intended to mislead you as they mislead other people. Then there is no little boy suffering from scarlet fever? Yes, because it is written there, was his smiling reply but it only refers to an imaginary child, and by doing so places a surprising and alarming truth before me. 
is the matter so very serious dad she asked noticing the curious effect the words had had upon him serious he echoed leaning forward in his chair yes he answered in a low voice it is very serious child both to me and to you i don't understand you dad she exclaimed walking to his chair throwing herself upon her knees and placing her arms around his neck won't you be more explicit won't you tell me the truth surely you can rely upon my secrecy yes child he said groping until his hand fell upon her hair and then stroking it tenderly i trust you you keep my affairs from those people who seek to obtain knowledge of them without you i would be compelled to employ a secretary but he could be bought without a doubt most secretaries can ford was very trustworthy was he not yes poor ford he sighed when he died i lost my right hand but fortunately you were old enough to take his place but in a case like this when you are worried and excited as you are at this moment why not confide in me and allow me to help you she suggested you see that although i act as your secretary dad i know nothing of the nature of your business and forgive me for speaking very plainly child i do not intend that you should the old man said because you cannot trust me she pouted you think that because i am a woman i cannot keep a secret not at all he said i place every confidence in you dear you are the only real friend left to me in the whole world i know that you would never willingly betray me to my enemies but well but what but you might do so unknowingly you might by one single chance word place me within the power of those who seek my downfall who seeks your downfall dad she asked very seriously that's a matter which i desire to keep to myself unfortunately I, I do not know the identity of my enemies hence i am compelled to keep from you certain matters which in other circumstances you might know but he added this is not the first time we've discussed this question gabrielle dear you are my daughter and i trust you do not child misjudge me by suspecting that i doubt your loyalty i don't dad only sometimes i sometimes you think he said still stroking her hair you think that i ought to tell you the reason i receive all these reports from paris and their real significance well to tell the truth dear it is best that you should not know if you reflect for a moment went on the old man tears welling slowly in his filmy sightless eyes you will realize my unhappy situation how i am compelled to hide my affairs even from lady Hayburn herself does she ever question you regarding them she used to at one time but she refrains nowadays for i would tell her nothing has anyone else ever tried to glean information from you he inquired after a long breath mr flockhart has done so on several occasions of late but i pleaded absolute ignorance oh flockhart has been asking you has he remarked her father with surprise well i suppose it is only natural a blind man's doings are always more or less a mystery to the world i don't like mr flockhart dad she said so you've remarked before my dear her father replied of course you are right in withholding any information upon a subject which is my own affair yet on the other hand you should always remember that he is your mother's very good friend and yours also mine gasped the girl starting up would that she were free to tell the poor blind helpless man the ghastly truth my friend dad what makes you think that 
because he is always singing your praises both to me and your mother then i tell you that his expressions of opinion are false dear dad how she was silent she dared not tell her father the reason therefore in order to turn the subject she replied with a forced laugh oh well of course i may be mistaken but that's my opinion a mere prejudice child i'm sure it is as far as i know flockhart is quite an excellent fellow and is most kind both to your mother and to myself gabrielle's brow contracted disengaging herself she rose to her feet and after a pause asked what reply shall i send to the report dad ah that report gasped the man huddled up in his chair in serious reflection that report he repeated rising to straighten himself reply in these words no effort is to be made to save the child's life on the contrary it is to be so neglected as to produce a fatal termination the girl had seated herself at the typewriter and rapidly clicked out the words in french words that seemed ominous enough and yet the true meaning of which she never dreamed she was thinking only of her father's misplaced friendship in james flockhart if she dared to tell him the naked truth oh if her poor blind afflicted father could only see End of chapter nine